that special touch of God's excellence in you. That special touch of God's excellence in you. That special touch of God's excellence in you. Well, good afternoon. <laughs> this is Carol Stanley on KLAY1180.com. 1180 on your AM dial. And yes, it is a beautiful, beautiful afternoon here in, in Lakewood, Tacoma. Actually, it's yes, it's Lakewood slash Tacoma, Washington. It's all good. Anyway, it's a beautiful afternoon. So I want you to grab your cup of tea. I want you to sit back and relax. We have a fabulous show for you today. I have a wonderful guest that's just going to bless your socks off. Erin Jones is with us today. She is an independent education and systems consultant. I know, personally, she's been an educator for a long time. Her heart is so in really helping people step up into their excellence and be all they can be. She is, in fact, a woman of excellence, and I love that about her. So you're going to meet her in just a little bit here. And But meanwhile, back at the ranch, I want to share with you, I hope you got your cup of tea, <laughs> I want to share with you the words from Jesus Calling. Sarah Young wrote this incredible devotional. It's, it's actually my favorite of all the devotionals I have. But you know what? It's such a great way to start or even midday. Just have it in your library to lift you up and put you back on your feet, no matter where you are or what time of day it is. So I want to share today with you, and this is what it says. Remember, this is Jesus talking to you. If you learn to trust me, really trust me with your whole being, then nothing can separate you from my peace. Everything you endure can be put to good use by allowing it to train you in trusting me. This is how you foil the works of evil, growing in grace through the very adversity that was meant to harm you. Joseph was a prime example of this divine reversal, declaring to his brothers, quote, You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, unquote. Do not fear what this day or any day may bring your way. Concentrate on trusting me and doing what needs to be done. Relax in my sovereignty, remembering that I go before you as well as with you into each day, Fear no evil, for I can bring good out of every situation you will ever encounter. And of course, this wonderful reading is taken from Genesis fifty twenty, where it's, it's really referring to <clears throat> Joseph. And it says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about the present result to preserve many people alive. And the other is from Psalm 23, 4. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, when I was a little girl, that's, of course, Psalm 23. When I was a little girl, that was the first scripture that I memorized because there was a carrot dangling before me, which was a new Bible. And I was, gosh, I was very young. I was only, I think, about five, <coughs> excuse me, five years old, but I had my eye on that red Bible. There was a black one for the boys or a red one for the girls, and my eye was on that red Bible, 
And I diligently learned the 23rd Psalm, and it has so been a blessing. It's carried me through so much, as has the other, uh, have the other scriptures that I have memorized. But it, you know, that it does comfort you. He, he makes you to lie down in green pastures. Again, picture yourself as a sheep. He makes you lie down in green pastures. Wow, what a cool thing that is. And he leads you beside quiet waters because rushing waters freak, freak sheep out. And they do us as well. Very, you know, uh, what? Uh, rough water. Rough water of any kind is, is, it rattles our cages, if you will. So at any rate, and he leads us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He restores our soul. I just love those lines because if you really tear them apart and deeply listen to them, they have a soothing, wonderful, calming quality. The The whole of the 23rd Psalm is just amazing. So I encourage you to read the whole thing. I want to share with you a little bit before we get to Aaron. I want to share with you a little bit from a book that I was digging through, I was going through old books, and I found this one called Stages by John Claypool. And you know what? Wow, it was just a blessing. Because I went through it, and it talks about the four stages of life. And again, God is there with us to give us the peace to endure, and he is there with us, behind us, all around us. He's got our back, in other words, which is one of my favorite references. The four stages of life, though, that all in all of them, there are gaps, and we are divided not only racially, socially, ideologically, but generationally as well. And the church, the people of God, the people that love Jesus Christ and are, have a relationship with him, are, we are all really called to step up and uniquely cover and go into those gaps. That's what good education is all about. The children need to know how precious and treasured they really are. The story of David uh, helps us to understand that the child's needs, really. Samuel affirmed David. You know, here David was. He was out, you know, he was, he was a shepherd boy. And so he was out in the fields and had to learn to deal with the, the lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. Uh, but the, he had to deal with things out in that, in that area. So while he may not have felt a lot of affirmation from his family, he was doing his job in the in the family position of he was he was the shepherd boy out with the with the sheep. But Samuel came along and really affirmed him that he was that that David was called of God, that David was God's kid, right? So Samuel really affirmed him and how cool that was because David truly was God's choice, and God used Samuel to see, for, for David to be able to see God's perspective as, as God delighted in David, and David learned to delight in God. He got a good self-image perspective from God through Samuel, uh, even over what his mother and father might have done or not done. It, 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 takes, uh, it takes that, quote-unquote, village of people around any child to really affirm them as to who they are, whose they are. And I think that, I mean, oh, wow, in all of my training, I really stress that because it's so important, no matter what stage of life we're in, it's so important to know that God has 
has our best, that he we are truly his delighted and delightful children. So I love that. Um, the Spirit of the Lord possessed David mightily, the scripture says. And our children need to know that they are that they are delighted in, that they are precious, that they but not only that they're precious and really, really cool people, but that they have a special purpose and a special place and a special thing to do in life. Those two elements are very, very important. In other words, a child is born with destiny. He has, he has personality, but he has all these other things that influence his life. Uh, we are born, you know, with our personal style. Our, there's lots of different names for our personality that we pop out of the womb with, and yes, we go to the grave with. But meanwhile, back at the ranch, we have all of these influencers, our place in, in our family. In other words, what birth position you have. Your physicality affects you. Your, your basic sense of self-image, self-worth affects you very greatly. And how others, teachers in life and social environments in life and traumas in life teach and play into that original sense of who you are hugely important. And that's where we, the church, need to step up and be there for these kids. And as they go into adolescence, which is always called the time of indigestion, heartburn, and trauma, (laughs) it's a, a really interesting time. It's painful for everybody, right? It's a time of transition again for these kids. And it's an in-between. They aren't quite ready or, or willing or, or enabled to let, they aren't really enabled to stay as a child. So they have to let go of that stuff, but they aren't yet really adults. And many cultures, primitive cultures in particular, you know what? There is no adolescence. There is no in-between. One night they take you out and there's a big hunt. And if you survive that sucker and come back, guess what? You're labeled as an adult. And you know, I, I look at that and I go, that's not a bad idea to make a clear definition to where now you have to hang with the adult um, responsibilities and so forth. But it's all kids want to become adults. And yet it's a struggle of letting go of childhood and yet stepping into real adulthood. That can be a huge, huge challenge. Ah, wow. And what we what we don't know will surely hurt us. Uh, even... It was interesting, even on the cross, you know, Jesus looked down. He said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. And adolescence is a lot like that. It's that valley. It's that valley of the shadows between between childhood and and this thing called adulthood. And adolescence, like I said, in many tribes, it doesn't exist. In other words, you're a child until all of a sudden you are you are called to step up. In fact, in the Jewish tradition, your bar mitzvah really signifies that at, uh, what is it, 14, I think, 14, 15, somewhere between 13 and 15. And so um, that, but that challenge of dependency and, and independence, it's an interdependence is really what we're after as adults. So at any rate, <clears throat> we're, we, I love this book, Stages, because it talks about all those times, and it talks about the power and importance as an adult that you are living in God's grace, that you are living in his providence, that he has a plan for you, and that there is hope for you. So I just really wanted to encourage you with those words today, and we're going to talk about all of this in light of education, because we really 
we as adults, right, really have a responsibility, no matter no matter our age, we really need to step up and encourage our kids to ask, to seek, to knock. And we, we do that our whole lives, don't we? And God says, it's okay to doubt. It's okay to ask. It's okay to seek. He promises to be there and answer our questions. He is very trustworthy. So at any rate, we're going to take a little break and we'll be back with Aaron Jones. Special touch of God's excellence in you. That special touch of God's excellence in you. Attention, building owners, property managers, and facility crew. Looking for a commercial door service company for your building? At All Purpose Door Repair, we service, repair, and install new manual and automatic pedestrian doors. Store front doors like aluminum, hollow metal, and wood as well. We travel the Puget Sound area and are a local family business of 29 years. Visit our website at allpurposedoorrepair.com. Again, allpurposedoorrepair.com. FLCC or Family Life Community Church is a great church where they love God, love people, and love life. FLCC is a family church where friends are family and family is first. Join them this Sunday at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. And remember, there's children's ministry from 0 to 6th grade. They're located at 1925 South 341st Place in Federal Way, Washington. Come and join them and have a great morning. Have you ever wanted a second chance to make a great first impression? Have the jitters taken you out when speaking publicly to a crowd or even a few people? Would you like to know how to present with confidence and presence? I invite you to register for Born to be Awesome group coaching program for speakers. The class is from May 13th through June 10th. Go to thatspecialtouchofexcellence.coachesconsole.com to receive a free gift and to register for this transformational program. That special touch of God's excellence in you. That special touch of God's excellence in you. That special touch of God's excellence. Well, here we are back again this afternoon. I hope you've warmed your tea up and you're sitting back and relaxing because we've got a treat for you. Erin Jones is here with us, and what a delight to walk and talk with her the other day. It was just so fun. She is such a precious woman of God and brilliant woman, beautiful woman as well. I mean, I just, I could go on and on. (laughs) But Erin, I want to say thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me on the show. Yes. You know what? I know that President Obama has awarded you, and rightfully so. Uh, So I want you to tell me a little bit about your background. You grew up as, your your journey as as an orphan and then a pastor's kid, and ultimately to be a phenomenal educator, basketball player, and just all all the things. But just go back to the beginning and share with with us how God has had his hand on you through all of your journey. Sure. You know, I got 
I had the opportunity today to preach in a church, two services. It was Yay! really awesome. And I shared about my story. It was Teacher Appreciation Week this week. And um, so they asked cool. if I would come in and share my story. And I said, I'm going to start from the beginning because I believe God has his hand in all parts of our story. And so I really believe in modeling the telling of the story to help people see God's hand, even in the in the rough places. And so I, I always go back to the very beginning when I was left in the hospital by my mother who couldn't keep me. So I started as an orphan, uh, was adopted right away, though. Really, really fortunate. So you can't see me on the radio, but I am a very tall black woman with an Afro. I'm actually biracial. So my biological mother was a white woman. My biological father was a black man. Um, and my adoptive parents are both white. So it's really funny seeing us together because my mom is five foot two in white blonde hair. Um, she's, sort, sort of like me. <laughs> yes, yes. And she is my best friend in the whole world. But, um, you know, they adopted me in 1971 and then adopted a little boy two years later. And then my father, who was a teacher, decided, you know what, this raising brown children in this country is not really what we expected. Let's just move somewhere else. And so on a leap of faith, he had never left the country before. And he moved us to the Netherlands where I attended the American School of The Hague. Which, wow, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, which at the time was about a mile away from the United Nations World Court, the Peace Court. And so I ended up you know, going from orphan to adopted to suddenly sitting next to very powerful people's children. Um, you know, today, the school costs about $35,000 a year for kindergarten, but I went to school for free uh, from the beginning and just had this, you know, when I think about God's hand, you know, here was what the devil probably meant for evil by mm -hmm. having my mother give me away. I end up placed in a home where I'm going to get connected to princes and princesses and queens eventually. So I met my first princess when I was nine years old. She is actually the princess of Egypt at the time. And, um, she came to my school with John Denver to, to talk about peace. He sang and she spoke and I got Love to have it. lunch with them. So there were three little kids who got to have lunch with her and with, with John Denver. And um, I'll never forget that lunch because she asked me at the time how I wanted to change the world. And, you know, most nine-year-olds probably don't have an answer for that question, but I already at nine knew how I wanted to change my world. Um, there was a little girl in my fourth grade class who was from Israel her father was actually the ambassador to Israel. Mm -hmm. And the little boy in the classroom next door to me, was his dad was the ambassador to Palestine. And I mean, if you know anything about history, Israel and Palestine have been at it for a long time. And, they sure have. And it was just, you know, I got to hear about it firsthand, not on mm. the radio or news, but from my friends. And I decided at nine years old, I'm going to solve the Middle East crisis. And <laughs> so I began to teach myself Arabic and Hebrew as a little wow. girl. And then here comes the princess of Egypt, and she asks me how I'm going to change my world. And I tell her, I'm already changing the world. I'm learning Arabic and Hebrew, and I'm going to solve the Middle East crisis. And that her response to that would forever change how I saw myself. She called me a world changer. She pointed at me and, and said, Erin, you're a world changer. And I just believed her. You bet. And I think, um, you know, I've been an educator now for 26 years. I think sometimes all it takes is for an adult to look at a child and say, you are. Oh, you are. I so love that, Erin, because I believe in that so much. Mm -hmm. We need people to believe in us, to look at us, and like like that little mm -hmm. princess did for you, 
to point at you and say, you are a world changer. Mm -hmm. And that we, it takes both things, them saying it with a belief system that is, you know, solid and rock solid, but it takes us being open and accepting and receiving and believing. Yeah. So that our belief system alters to match that. Yeah. And that's, you know, I've spent really the last, well, what's interesting, I never wanted to be a teacher because I saw my parents, you know, I love my parents and I had both my parents as teachers and I thought they were fabulous as teachers, but I didn't see them as world changers. Mm. And so I never could have seen myself as a teacher. I really thought I was going to be a lawyer because the United Nations, that's what everyone there were lawyers or translators. And so I thought, well, I'll be an interpreter or a lawyer. And I came back to the U.S. to study one of those things and um, ended up realizing in my first year in the United States that especially for kids who looked like me, there weren't a lot of adults who believed in them. And it was such a rude awakening because it was the first time in my life that my color mattered. Mm -hmm. I'd never... My color had never mattered before. And it was the first time people doubted me because of my color. And it was such a shocking experience, but I had such a revelation at the end of my freshman year. Really, I considered suicide the end of my freshman year because it, I really, for the first time, didn't believe in myself mm-hmm. and didn't have anyone around me. My parents were still in Europe and it was $5 a minute to call home. So I was really alone. And, you know, I, I told people at church today, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Yes, he right? does. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know at the time that Jesus came that we might have life. I just knew the devil, the devil was destroying me. And I remember praying that God would just take my life. I felt like I was a mistake. Um, I just couldn't measure up. And I didn't feel like I belonged anywhere. And then it was the next day I felt this little voice inside me. And I, it wasn't an audible voice, but just this nudging, Aaron, mm-hmm. put your tennis shoes on, go for a walk. And I ended up on a basketball court in the middle of a tiny little community of black folks who served in the white people's houses by my college. And um, Dr. Julius Irving happened to be playing that day on that court. And I got to play with Dr. J. But that and that, which is awesome. I mean, as a basketball player, to be able to play with an NBA star is awesome. But what was more awesome was sitting on the sidelines with a bunch of young black boys who were younger than me, and not one of them was still in school, and not one of them mm. planned to go back to school. And when I asked each of them, "What are your dreams for the future?" Each said, "I don't plan to live to be 21." Wow. And I knew, I knew in that moment. Suddenly, it was like this thing hit me oh my gosh my parents have been changing lives every day I know exactly what I need to do I need to be a champion for kids and and for the first time I realized I am white and black for a reason I'm European and American for a reason I'm an athlete and an academic for a reason God you made me this way and I need to just embrace that and use all of those things to become a champion for kids and Erin you are truly you are truly beautiful. I have this belief system of beauty is an inside job. Mm. But you know what? God does a great job with the outside as well. <laughs> and and I and how again, you know, I in the courses I teach and so forth, I love helping people embrace who they truly are mm-hmm. and do the best job possible of taking care of the external, knowing that the internal is the most mm-hmm. important. How, right. how we believe about ourselves, about God who loves us, how we think about ourselves, how we hold ourselves. And of course, me being a voice performance coach, I am all over helping people to understand this two-horned system called a voice. But it really encompasses all of you. It's your head, your heart, your how you hold your body, and how you work, 
move through those two horns to it's the only it, it, one and only broadcast system you have but it's all of you and so the beauty in you and again god didn't make a mistake when he made you tall and gorgeous mm-hmm. <laughs> you know he made no mistake at all and he made no mistake he had a plan for your life as jeremiah says i know the plans, plans that i, I made have for you, for you. Yep. Plans for a hope and a future not to hurt you or destroy you. And for us to grab that, and and as you're reflecting, what a blessing to other people listening, as it is me, to listen to you and how to see God's hand on you. Oh, my goodness. How you wound up in Europe, right? And had the experiences that you've had to bring you to your purpose. Mm Mm-hmm. He is so faithful to do that. Amen. You know, and it's funny, those of you who are on the radio can't see me, but if you just Google Aaron Jones, you'll, there are pictures. Um, you know, I wear my hair in a natural afro, um, and that's really intentional for me. I think it's really important how I show up in spaces. I do and, too, yes. And I want, especially for young kids, to own who they are. So if yep. God made you with curly hair, own the curly hair. Mine is curly, Erin. But it, <laughs> <laughs> I told my daughter-in-law, who is beautiful like you, she's she's my brown daughter-in-law, she has this gorgeous hair, mm-hmm. right, like you, with, yeah. and it curls, and, and she put, you know, in these little ringlets. And I told her, I said, you know, this is the deal. When I get to heaven, I want your hair, girlfriend, because <laughs> it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It is so beautiful. And your afro is gorgeous as well. Yeah, but I wear it this way on purpose. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, and it's funny. I get stopped at least once a day by someone who will say, thank you for wearing it that way or that's really beautiful. And um, I just want people to know that God made them exactly who they are, tall yes. or short, yes, wide or thin, um, curly or straight. Exactly. This is <laughs> right. just white or black, right? Right on. We have to own all of it, yep. and and I believe that each piece of who we are on the outside and the inside is part of our story, and and God has placed us in each piece or with each piece in yes. order to impact the people around us. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's 229, actually, on our radio dial here, and or the clock dial. And so what I'd like to do is take a really quick break and then come back. And I want you to continue, Erin, because it is such a delight hearing your story. So grab, grab a refill for your tea, and we'll be right back. That special touch of God's excellence in you. That special touch of God's excellence in you. Attention, building owners, property managers, and facility crew. Looking for a commercial door service company for your building? At All Purpose Door Repair, we service, repair, and install new manual and automatic pedestrian doors. Storefront doors like aluminum, hollow metal, and wood as well. We travel the Puget Sound area and are a local family business of 29 years. Visit our website at allpurposedoorrepair.com. Again, allpurposedoorrepair.com. FLCC or Family Life Community Church is a great church where they love God, love people, and love life. FLCC is a family church where friends are family and family is first. Join them this Sunday at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. And remember, there's children's ministry, 
from 0 to 6th grade. They are located at 1925 South 341st Place in Federal Way, Washington. Come and join them and have a great morning. Have you ever wanted a second chance to make a great first impression? Have the jitters taken you out when speaking publicly to a crowd or even a few people? Would you like to know how to present with confidence and presence? I invite you to register for Born to be Awesome group coaching program for speakers. The class is from May 13th through June 10th. Go to thatspecialtouchofexcellence.coachesconsole.com to receive a free gift and to register for this transformational program. That special touch of God's excellence in you. Special touch of God's excellence in you. That special touch of God's excellence in you. Well, we're back, and I hope you had your tea all warmed up and sitting back and ready to continue as Aaron Jones is with us to share how God's hand has been on her her whole life. She is a fabulous educator. And really, she is an advocate for all all kids of all ages that really need to hear that encouragement. And uh, so anyway, Erin, please continue your wonderful story. So I um, ended up graduating from college in 1993 and getting married to my husband, who is the fabulous James Jones. You may, those of you who are in Washington State may know his brother, um, Jesse Jones, Cairo News. Um, so he <laughs> yes. A, a rather famous TV personality here in the state. And they both grew up here in Tacoma. Um, we got married in Indiana. And then out of the blue, we get a call from the pastor that he'd grown up under here in Tacoma who said, we just feel a calling to have a black youth pastor. Would you be interested in coming home? Cool. And um, our youngest one had just been born Israel. So we had an older one, Malachi, and then Israel. And we moved out here exactly 20 years ago, one month ago. Wow. So we came out here to be youth pastors. And um, I decided to stay at home with my kids, even though being a youth pastor doesn't make a lot of money and we had two kids we prayed about it and felt like you know i could go back to teaching but i would make about as much money as we put into daycare and it just didn't make sense to us so we decided i would stay home and i did ministry with my husband and then it was really funny i ended up opening a school in my garage <laughs> why so, am i not surprised <laughs> yeah i know um you know i I was homeschooling my my oldest one. I knew that he had some sort of a writing issue. I didn't know what it was, but I decided when he was in kindergarten, I'm going to keep him home because he's really struggling with writing. And um, I knew what happened to black boys in public school. And um, I just felt like I wanted to at least give him a year with me really investing in him. And so we began to learn. And it's so funny. Our younger one, Israel would say to me every night, Mommy, do not teach me how to read. I'm going to teach myself. And I felt like such a horrible educator. But he was just determined. You're not going to teach me. I'm going to teach myself. <laughs> he was a chip off the old block, oh, wouldn't, wouldn't you say? Yeah, well, you'll see where he is later. But <laughs> anyway, um, so I'm homeschooling my oldest mm. son. And my other one is kind of following along and doing whatever his brother does. And then summer came. And I realized one day a little kid came to our door and knocked on the door and said, Miss Lady, can I use the bathroom? I really need to use the bathroom. And I let him in. How do you not let a kid in? Right. And then the next day, the kid comes back with an older sibling. And 
you know, we'd both like to use the bathroom. And then I asked the question, so why aren't you using your own bathroom? And I find out that these kids have been locked out of their house. So their parents too poor to pay for childcare, but didn't trust the kids to stay out of trouble in the home. So oh, no. literally would lock them out of the house and t- all day. So eight o'clock in the morning till three or four in the afternoon. And you know, I realized um, because of the work I'd done in schools, I could call CPS and turn them in. But the the chances of CPS actually doing something were really limited. Or I could just invest in them. And so it was so funny. The next day I'm driving somewhere and I pass by a church and there's a big sign, school going out of business. And I just felt this urge to go into this church. And um, it was the end of the day. They were trying to get rid of everything left in the school, and they sold me the entire school for $200. Oh, my word. And I put a school in my garage. Literally, we had the desks. We had the chairs. We had the bookshelves, the, all of their materials. I love it. It was the most yeah. phenomenal thing. And and the house that we'd purchased uh, was in the poorest area of Tacoma, uh, but it had a finished basement. There had been a family that actually lived in the basement, and uh, so we were able to put it in in our garage downstairs, and we ended up with 15 kids in that school Love every it. day. Our church provided money for me to make lunches, so we got day-old pastries. Starbucks um, donated those to me, so every day I'd have breakfast for the kids. We'd make a lunch and then a snack, and then y'all go home. I don't care if your parents are home or not. I'm <laughs> done with you at 4 o'clock. Um, but it was an incredible gift to be able to teach you these bet. kids and to sow into my community, and I still am in touch with you know, almost 17 years ago, I'm still in touch with several of these young people who were really transformed in that space. And um, they were all much older than my children, but none of them could really read or write. And we had the chance to teach them to read or write. And by the way, my youngest one, Israel, who wouldn't let me teach him how to read, when he started kindergarten his first day a couple years later, I told the kindergarten teacher, I said, I'm really embarrassed. I have not taught my son to read because he wouldn't let me. And I'm so ashamed that I'm a teacher and I'm sending him to school not able to read. And she's so funny. When the day was over and I went to pick him up at the end of the school day, she said, I thought you told me he couldn't read. And I said, well, I, I, yeah, I haven't taught him to read. <laughs> she said, Aaron, you literally turned around and walked out of the door. And he pointed up to the, to the shelving unit up towards the top of her classroom and said, OK, Miss Teacher, where's the September box? Because you're missing the September box. She said, Aaron, he can read. <laughs> and he's now on a wow. $50,000 scholarship to college for his brain. So yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah he stayed in that path. You know, it's so interesting. I uh, <laughs> I have four children, and they, again, you know, we, we get married and we think, okay, they're all going to kind of come out the same, right? You know. No, no way, <laughs> no. on a bet. And my youngest, uh, he, <laughs> I became a, a certified personality trainer because of this kid. Ah, I mean, my goodness, because he's like, you're yeah. Israel. Tim, and he's now a double ma- uh, master PhD in Australia training other people people in the university but oh my goodness he was a challenge because he is so bright knows everything all the oh, time yes knows everything in mm-hmm. fact i have to tell you a, a quick cute story the um i, I work with bank code which is a personality based uh, mm-hmm. people focused and and purpose driven little quick it's a wonderful system to help you identify people in front of you so that you can connect with them quickly anyway and so this one uh, family was that all the family were very high action people, right? With the exception of their son, who was a very intelligent, quiet, but very intelligent 
what we would call him as a knowledge green. And his mom and dad and sister were all high action reds. Okay, now the deal is he was he was going to commit suicide. I mean, he had really seriously thought about it. And this friend came in with the bank code cards and coded the family and they were having fun with this, playing this little game. And and then she turned to this boy and she says, so what do you think? And he says, oh, for crying out loud. He says, there is nothing wrong with me. Because he had been, again, the three reds were ganging up on him. What's the matter for you? You don't think like us, right? <laughs> and so the kid says, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm just a high knowledge. And oh, by the way, I know more than all you guys put together. That would be Israel. <laughs> <laughs> and that's so my son, Tim, uh-huh. as well. But it's so important that kids know that it's okay to be them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's why I love these personality systems because yeah. it helps it helps you relax and, and just accept who you are. You know, one of the messages I share with kids when I'm out speaking is you will always fail at being someone else's best self. So just be yours. Oh, I love it. Yes. You you can't that's right. Well it's singers, same thing. Do not copy that voice. Right. You can't <laughs> be no. Be who you are mm-hmm. because that's the only way God's message is gonna come through mm-hmm. you to other people. Right. So so let's get to Mr. Obama. (laughs) Let's get to that. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I ended up um, deciding to become a teacher late in college and um, started teaching in South Bend, Indiana, and then Columbus, Ohio. And then we came out here and I took a break, but started the school in my garage. I couldn't get away from teaching. You know, when God's called you to something. Yes. You just, there's no way to get away. I may not be formally teaching or getting paid to teach, but I will always be teaching, period. Me too. Um, Me too. So when my my kids were both in school, I went back into the classroom and I taught in Tacoma for a long time. And then we adopted a little girl. Her mom passed away and we decided she needed a fresh start. So we moved to Spokane for a couple of years. And um, I taught there and ended up winning the Milken Teacher of the Year Award, which is one of the highest awards a teacher can receive. You can't apply for it. Someone else has to nominate you. You have to be selected at the state level. So only one person selected per state. Um, it's a $25,000 check that you get or receive. Wow. Yeah, it's That's pretty great. amazing. Um, so after receiving that check, um, I was asked to come work for the state superintendent's office. So I did that for four years. And while working there, I did a lot of work around really advocating for marginalized students. Um, Our state is one of the only states in the nation where the gap is widening between white students and students of color. And so my work at the state was, how do I help systems think about what can you do as a system to close those gaps? And yes, I left the state and moved to Federal Way. And in my first year in Federal Way, someone who'd worked with me at the state who worked in D.C. nominated me to receive an award from President Obama. And I literally got a call on Thursday, and they said, this is the White House calling. Can you be in D.C. next Tuesday? I had four days to prepare to leave for wow. to receive an award from President <laughs> Obama. And what was really exciting is we actually, the award was given by the Secretary of Education at the time, Arne Duncan. And Arne Duncan and I had met um, five years before that in Chicago. He was the superintendent, and I attended a conference there and met him really, really briefly there. And when I walked into the White House, um, the, the room that we, where we received our awards, he said, wait, I've met you before. I said, you did? Five years? And he remembered me. It was really a pretty oh, incredible great. ceremony. And then we were told there's a surprise tonight at the White House. You may bring one member of your family and just show up. We had no idea what it was going to be. And it was um, the Black History Month 
celebration, National Black History Month celebration that Obama, President Obama hosted at, at the White House. And so I got to meet Reverend L. Sharpton and Magic Johnson and Harry Belafonte. Oh, I um, love Harry Stevie Belafonte. Stevie Wonder. Um, <laughs> Being a singer, I've loved him yes. forever, yes. Felicia yes. Rashad. Ooh, I mean, it was nice. a really, I brought my mom with me, and it was such a powerful experience. And, you know, I loved being in the same space with President Obama, but actually Felicia Rashad was the one probably who had the greatest impact because I had grown up watching The Cosby Show, which unfortunately has a whole different context now. But as a little girl in Europe, it was my one example of a black family you bet and it was a good one it was a really great show and we used to stop everything on thursday nights and watch it together as a family and it was so funny i i'm getting ready to to shake president obama's hand and my mom turns and whispers in my ear oh my gosh felicia rashad is right next to you and it i turned first of all i am a giant i'm six feet tall she is tiny maybe maybe five feet tall i turned and she was down. I mean, I had to really look down, but I just burst into tears. It was oh. the strangest thing. I burst into tears. And she's so funny. She wrapped her arms around my waist. Mrs. Huxtable. Yes. And <laughs> yeah. she said, you know, you know what? She said, I can't tell you how many women of your generation just burst into tears. She said, oh. you are not the first one, so don't feel bad about it. And that was probably my favorite part of the encounter at the White House was meeting this woman that had been like a mother figure for me. You bet. You that was bet. really powerful. Oh, th- you know, those experiences are so great. Mm. And don't you just love them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, to be God. able to go back to my classroom and, and share that with kids. I mean, the kids yes. just love that story. and Of course. Yeah. Why wouldn't they? And it's, so then it becomes one of those things where, oh, teach, can I touch you because <laughs> you, you did this? Yes, yeah. yes. It's that. Well, you know, and I think God sets up those little moments of, quote, unquote, fame. Absolutely. Because of the influence you can then mm-hmm. have to a greater extent. It isn't about the quote-unquote fame. It's about what it buys you in terms of influence. Absolutely. Because we all want that incredible influence, especially as an educator. Absolutely. You know, it. yeah, I have always prayed, Lord, let me be a woman of influence, excellence and influence Mm -hmm. for you Mm -hmm. in a a really effective, Mm -hmm. um, powerful way meaning that people will get it. They will believe in themselves and get it. And I think also, I mean, it speaks to the influence piece. You know, Felicia Rashad represented something for black women that had never been represented in media before. And here's a lawyer who dresses well and she presents well and she's a good mother. And, you know, I just think that was, we didn't see examples of that until her and so now to think I get to be in that role for my students, you know, she right was that on. role model for me. And now I get to be in that space for young women to show them what's possible for them. You know, another message that I share with kids or with teachers mostly is kids can't imagine what they've never seen before. You got that right. And so we mm-hmm. have to make sure we're putting models in front of them. Yes. It's back to that business that I started with today. It, You know, you don't know what you don't know mm-hmm. or it, what you don't know will hurt you. Right. So you have to have models in mm-hmm. front of you, role right. models right. to look up to, to identify with. I mean, good grief. That's true for all of mm-hmm. us. You right. know, it's really, really important. Right. We're at the we're at the the break time again, Erin. So we're gonna we're gonna take a little break here, but when we come back, I wanna finish this with you. Okay. Rock and roll. Thanks so much. We'll be right back. That special touch of God's excellence in you. 
that special touch of God's excellence in you. Attention building owners, property managers, and facility crew. Looking for a commercial door service company for your building? At All Purpose Door Repair, we service, repair, and install new manual and automatic pedestrian doors. Storefront doors like aluminum, hollow metal, and wood as well. We travel the Puget Sound area and are a local family business of 29 years. Visit our website at allpurposedoorrepair.com. Again, allpurposedoorrepair.com. FLCC or Family Life Community Church is a great church where they love God, love people, and love life. FLCC is a family church where friends are family and family is first. Join them this Sunday at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. And remember, there's children's ministry from 0 to 6th grade. They're located at 1925 South 341st Place in Federal Way, Washington. Come and join them and have a great morning. Have you ever wanted a second chance to make a great first impression? Have the jitters taken you out when speaking publicly to a crowd or even a few people? Would you like to know how to present with confidence and presence? I invite you to register for Born to be Awesome group coaching program for speakers. The class is from May 13th through June 10th. Go to thatspecialtouchofexcellence.coachesconsole.com to receive a free gift and to register for this transformational program. That special touch of God's excellence in you. Special touch of God's excellence in you. That special touch of God's Well, we're back, and I love my theme song. I just do. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, I, I was just sharing with Aaron while you guys were, were warming up your tea um, that it's so important that we are women of influence and men of influence all the way along in the book of Titus in scripture. It, it really tells us what our job is, that you are to, older women are to really help inspire and, and inform younger women how to, to be, really, and how to be good wives, good moms, um, et cetera. And, and so I think, I think that it's so important, no matter what your age is, that you continue to be a person of excellence being a powerful person of influence. So, so important. Erin, I'm having you come back, even though I usually just wrap up myself on this last segment. I want to come back because I want you to touch on a very important subject, and that is reconciliation in our in our whole culture, really, with mm-hmm. black versus white. Mm-hmm. I, I, did I say that right? I mean, yeah. Well, I, you know, I, it's not just black versus white. Unfortunately, at this point, we no, we need reconciliation between any got, and all. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's so in so many spaces, and you know, again, going back to your story, there's a purpose in every piece of your story. You know, I know that I am black and I'm white. I know that I was raised in a space where race wasn't a factor, and I know that that was in preparation for me to come here where race is a factor. And, you know, people can say race is not biological. So there's lots of research to show that there's nothing biological. In fact, you and I probably have more in common DNA wise than someone who looks like me. But the reality is that because of our history and the heritage of slavery and genocide, we have these realities now that are connected to race. And I think 
one of the things I believe is the church has been scared to even touch race um, and talk about it. But I believe that if we don't talk about it as the church, we don't have a lot of hope as a nation for healing. Um, I believe, you know, the, the parable of the Samaritan, the story of the Samaritan is is a story of racial reconciliation, right? Yes, it is. And as is yes. Acts chapter 6, where it talks about um, taking care of the Greek widows who were not Jews, right? Yes. I mean, there are lots of spaces in the Bible where God actually talks about racial reconciliation or cultural reconciliation. And so I believe there are lots of examples, and it's as if we've forgotten that those examples apply to us today. And so I believe that I'm in a season of my life, you know, when I lost my election for office, God was really clear. And he not so much told me audibly, but made it very plain. Aaron, look, I gave you a platform. A million and a half people voted for you. You got to travel across the state of Washington and see every space. You've made friends with people from every walk of life. And now I need you to use that to be a bridge and to help people do work around reconciliation. So I've actually done some trainings. I trained at Life Christian Center in Tacoma. I'm about to train at Bellevue uh, Presbyterian Church and really use the story that I've been given to help people understand how is it that we are hurting people of different colors and cultures, but also how is it hurting us mm-hmm. when we see um, other people as them? When it's us against them, we can't be the body of Christ. And and the reality in this country remains today that Sundays, this day, is the most segregated time of the week in this country. We still have, our churches are still divided by race in most cases i we are really blessed my husband and i our church is probably 30 to 40 percent people of color and then about 60 percent white but most churches are all white or they're all black or they're all Mm -hmm. latino or they're all native american Mm -hmm. and what i believe is when we can't worship together how can we fully appreciate the gift that is god because he made us all that's true uh i and i i'm on the same page with you absolutely and I know in my church, we, we're kind of a mixed bag mm-hmm. as well. But the, the thing about human nature is, mm-hmm. you know, we, birds of a feather flock together mm-hmm. because of our comfort zone with Absolutely. ourselves. Absolutely. And so, but what we want to do mm-hmm. is find ways to bridge that so that, right. so that the, the colors on our feathers yeah. become mixed, meaning right. Right. we're not, you know... <laughs> Bluebirds are not hanging over here with bluebirds. Yeah. Bluebirds are are willing to take on cardinal characteristics, etc. Et Absolutely, and that we're all be, we all become like a parrot. We got these beautiful combination mm. of colors, right? And I think yes, you know, I think the challenge for me in this country, and especially in the last few years, has been. I think our diversity is actually beautiful, and I think it adds to us as a country. I think there are still too many folks that see our diversity as a negative and as a deficit, and and I think that's really dangerous. And so I ask people to kind of approach difference with curiosity. Good. And so how do you walk into spaces that are different from yours and not say, oh, different is bad? Because that's, no. our, nat- uh, that's our natural bent, though. Human nature is to think that the way I do things is the right way. I believe that God has allowed me to be in in all these different spaces, rich and poor, black and white, very mixed. Um, You know, he's allowed me to speak many languages as a way to help people understand that we're just different. And how do we begin to get really curious about the difference? Because when we walk into a space with curiosity and not judgment, 
it changes how we interact. And I believe that God made us each different for a reason. And so how do we embrace that? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's what I, one of the things I believe God has called me to is not to just champion kids, but also in the church to be a voice for the need for us to bridge those gaps and the need for us to build bridges to one another and to share our stories. So we recognize that as humans, we're hurting and we're broken and we're healing and we're whole. Yes. In Christ. In fact, I love the phrase that says, you are a, how does, it's a broken healer. In other words, a hurting healer. You mm-hmm. are a healer because of your brokenness. Right. You and know? we all are broken. And we right? all are broken. And so we have that ability. We just need to trust that God is with us. Absolutely. For us. And we can walk forward. It's not about us. It's about giving love right. and support to someone else. Right. That's got to be our, our absolute core. Right. And and again, ugh, I just, yeah, I can get really wound up on this whole subject because I believe in it so much. And in the voice performance training that I do, I incorporate all those things mm-hmm. as well because it it's all about your audience at any given point in time. It's never about you. It's about mm-hmm. the gift that you've brought to give them. And that feels right. so good to give a gift away. But it's about them. And so understanding them, which is why I speak to different groups about bank code, because it's got to be about them. Mm-hmm. And how do you under, how do you how do you relate with them? How do you connect with them and give them the gift of just the love in your heart? And again, your ability to be a wounded healer. Right. right. Is so important. Right. And that's where, you know, again, it's why all the pieces of your story are important. You know, I am a a basketball player, but I'm also an academic. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm a musician. And so that allows me to get into different spaces and to learn different things about people. And so how do you take all those pieces of your story and and connect to people who are different from you, but they have a similar interest? How do we find those spaces? Okay, now you got my interest from the standpoint. So you're a musician. So Mm -hmm. tell me what tell me real quickly about being a musician. So I grew up my dad is a jazz trumpet player. My mom is a pianist. Um, I came from a jazz family. Yeah, (laughs) they they were teachers as a profession. But my dad now that he's retired plays in three or four bands. I can't remember how many but I started playing recorder in fourth grade and then flute in fifth grade and then clarinet starting in high school and piano all the way through and yeah, so I played, I played clarinet as yeah well. oh. my mom did too and then I um, started writing music for the church probably mm. 20 years ago when we moved here so I led worship in our youth worship uh, room and wrote probably about 30 songs for church and then I wrote another 30 songs as a classroom teacher um, I taught French immersion for three years and I just believed if kids love to sing, I'm going to use music as a way to reach them. And I Absolutely. started writing music for them. The so. way the brain works, that music is such a hook. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's such a great mm-hmm. thing. You bet. Yeah. Oh, Erin, what an incredible pleasure it has been Thank to you. have you on today. You are dynamite, girlfriend. And I encourage anybody listening out there to go to where do I go to so I am on all social media so I have a public and a personal Facebook page Erin Jones with an E E E-R-I-N I'm on Instagram I'm on LinkedIn I'm on Twitter so I am pretty easy to find if you just Google Erin Jones I have a TED talk called passion for change that will really inspire you so just Google Erin Jones TED passion for change um, and be encouraged and inspired. And book her. 
Yes, call her and book her. Yes, call her and book her because she will bless you, bless you, bless you. No question. Erin, thank you so, so much. Do look up Erin Jones on any of the social media. And her TED Talk is Erin Jones. Or no, it's TEDTalk.com. It's just Aaron. If you just Google Aaron Jones, uh, okay, passion and you'll find for it. change. You'll passion find it. for yeah. change. You'll find her. All right. Oh, Aaron, I just so appreciate you. And we started out today talking about with with the wonderful Jesus calling. How trusting in trusting God, He gives us that peace. We tend to want to get all frazzled, right? But it's trusting Him and knowing that He's got your back and that He plans out. He orders your steps in life. You know, we make our plans, Scripture says, but he orders our steps. And here, this beautiful woman who started out a little orphan girl, right? She is such a great lady. So we'll see you next week. Bye-bye for now. And do look up Erin Jones. God bless you all. Bye-bye. special touch of God's excellence in you. That special touch of God's excellence in you.